Good evening and welcome to episode 91 of the Winning Agenda. Tonight our panelists include 2015 Regional Champion and 2015 Australian Nationals Top 8 Competitor Wolfie Horrig. Hi. 2015 and 2016 Regional Top 8 Competitor Hollis Echo. What's up everyone? 2014 Australian National Champion and 2016 Regional Champion Jesse Marshall. Can I just say Hollis looks especially good right now. What a beautiful man. <laughs> oh, anyway. Really in these visual jokes. <laughs> I'm just I'm just home. bringing the listener in into my world with me, you know. Yeah, it's where I'm at right yeah. now. The world where you have video access to Holoseco. That's a that's a world we should all long to be in. Really. We should. <laughs> yeah. oh anyway, my God. welcome everyone to this episode. Uh, and in this episode, we're going to be giving the Mumbad cycle a bit of a like a a send off review, a, a sunset show. Is everyone really excited about that? Yes, I know I am. Yes. Oh, Did I not that. sound excited enough? <laughs> I can say it more excitedly. That'd be good. Yes. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, very good. Uh, so, uh, Jesse, we were talking before the show, and you suggested uh, going through the... Fa- the um, Not the factions. Going through the uh, data packs, or the cycle, rather, by card type. Yeah, I-, I thought that would be a different way to go about it, I suppose. We... Generally, I find when I look at data packs, I look at it as the pack, obviously, and that's how we do our reviews. And then when I sort them into my collection, I sort them into faction, and that's they just generally join that big faction card pool, and that's how I conceptualize them in my head. What we don't often do, I think, as I certainly don't do as a player, is look at the cycle as a set, as a whole, uh, and think about how it's affected the game, how the game's changed since it came into being, um, since it began, uh, since the cycle began, and I think that one of the interesting ways to analyze that is to look at the cards by card type, particularly for this cycle, because there are a few uh, what we would call cycles of cards. Um, that is, groups of cards that share similar abilities that are across different factions. Um, so, discussing those together in amongst the broader agenda, asset, other card type pools might be an interesting way to analyze it, and maybe we can draw out some different points that people might not have thought of. Uh, so we'll start with uh, the link we got here, which is the uh, corpse side and the agendas. So the first thing that stands out to me is Advanced Concept Hopper, I think. That was a pretty dope card. Yeah, I think there are two, a little bit of play. two or three. Probably three agendas that are really interesting and then a couple that are interesting from a competitive point of view and then a couple that are interesting from a just interesting point of view. For There's me, one that's really maybe. fucking terrible. There's more than one, I think, that are in that category. Um, you have but, to go back in time to find out which one that is. Yeah. We won't tell you this episode. We won't tell you our least favorite agenda, but if you've been listening to all our card reviews along the way, our pack reviews, please email us in and let us know which one you think it is because we're all unanimously agreed. Um, corporate sales team, for me, is the standout agenda in this cycle. I think it fills a whole in the corp card pool that's been there for a while, which is, especially since NAPD's been out as the most wanted list, a 4 for 2 in neutral that any faction can play without paying influence that you really want to have in your deck. Like, it's a card you put in your deck and you don't go, oh, this is just a blank 4 for 2. You go, if I score this, this is actually going to be really good for me, whatever my game plan. Yeah, it's going to it's gonna do something without being like a build-around-me agenda, like yeah. a lot of agendas seem yeah. to be. Exactly. Uh, and it. Uh, the other thing I really like about corporate sales team is that it fleshes out the agenda card pool to the point where you don't just choose the same agendas if you want to build a good general deck. You've now got choice between things like Global Food Initiative, NAPD Contracts, Corporate Sales Team, all of which are really accessible um, to all factions 
and do slightly different things in different decks. So that's what I want to see. And just before I um, throw to you guys on agendas as a whole in this cycle, the the place that I like to see agendas go in the future is to have more cards like Corporate Sales Team and Advanced Concept Hopper, for that matter, which you mentioned, Brian, that are just, yeah, good general agendas that are going to be good in most decks um, that... They do good stuff and, and allow for more diversity in the agendas that actually get played in tournaments. Um, so, yeah, th- those two are the standouts for me. And then Improved Protein Source is one that hasn't really been proven, um, but it's a new one just from the last pack. Uh, I I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, Corporate Sales Team, uh, like, really, really fit a, a perfect spot, you know, uh, in the current card pool where uh, it was very much like you had a lot of uh, faction-specific agendas that were that were good and it was kind of hard to kind of you know pull anyone away to play anything neutral five threes normally only get played in decks that are going to be like glacier decks um and we already had you know probably the best five neutral five three in the game which is a global food initiative four twos fight really hard to fill any sort of role because in most nine times out of ten you know with the current card pool you're going to take every three two available and then take the the global food initiative to fill the gaps Whereas corporate sales team is very much good enough. It's an example of a four two that um, has the power level necessary to make it you know worth playing over uh, existing four twos that could be played in faction. So um, the the fact that the card like this exists uh, kind of gives me a little bit better hope for additional four twos in the future. It also tells us you know kind of what we need to expect as a power level to allow a four two to be able to be playable that would that would be neutral. I don't even know if we'll ever see another powerful 4-2 like this that, that's, that's neutral and requires no influence. Uh, moving on to assets, there's a bunch of assets that Jesse really, really likes. Uh, the political assets. The, uh, do you want to the get problem, those out of the way beforehand? <laughs> well, the biggest problem I still have with them is that they say, if there is no ice protecting this server. I mean, you don't say, if there is no aeroplanes in the sky. You say, if there are no... <laughs> anyway. So, no, that's right. So, do you agree with me? No, I think it's correct because like if there are no ice but ice is also the plural right so if you've got a term that can be singular or plural it you default to it being plural in that situation it's no ice is a it's a type of noun which is pluralized in a certain way but we'll hold off on that i think i think it's actually okay (laughs) yeah oh i think uh looking at these cards i think there's three again three assets that i thought were really stand out uh, from the asset pool as well. Um, and that was Jeeves Model Bioroids, which a lot of people will be doing really interesting things with and it's opening up a little interesting um, deck archetypes. Uh, oh, wait, maybe there's four, because I really like Ibrahim Salem as well. <laughs> Jesse, uh, you've been doing quite a bit of testing with him lately. Do you want to just touch on how he's been for you? It's a, He's a good way to reduce the runner's uh, hand size, particularly in decks that are trying to kill the runner, without having to spend a click, which is really, really important. It's proactive, so it's not something like Snoop, uh, and it's not like Invasion of Privacy, which requires a click. It has a similar effect in that you do you reduce the runner's hand size without needing to do damage, which means they can't prevent it, uh, and it means that if they pass the turn with four cards in hand, thinking that they're safe from your Scorched Earth, uh, you can reduce them to three cards in hand and then straight up kill them, which is good. Um, and I also really like Sense of the Actors Union, and I'm really alone on that. Wilfie, how do you feel about drawing cards? Oh, it's gas. <laughs> uh, if I were to say any more about it, I'd say that it's really gas. Um, <laughs> Have you yeah, won any I'd games with Sense the Actors Union? Uh, yeah, I've won lots of games. The, the feeling of dread that encompasses... Uh, that accompanies you when your opponent reses since the actors union is unparalleled i think 
Remember when uh, that game in the top eight where I rezzed it and I mentioned that it was like the first time the entire day that it had triggered because you, you saw it and then you didn't trash it? Remember that? Oh, come um, on. <laughs> I, 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 I honestly don't, but um, we'll discuss it on a future episode. Excellent. Look forward to that, everybody. Um, and uh, I think lastly, and everyone feel free to jump in if they think I'm incorrect, but Zealous Judge is probably the uh, other asset that I thought was quite standout. The rest of them are pretty interesting. Although Mumba Temple's got quite a lot of attention, I thought, as well. Hollis, uh, do you have any opinions on the asset pools? Um, the the asset I actually uh, was very interested in that I didn't see played as much was um, uh, Indian Union Stock Exchange. The fact that it, it works on uh, neutral operations as well, um, or sorry, uh, sorry, res or play a, a neutral card, um, to me really stood out. Wayland has... Um, a lot of tools in faction, but they a lot of times have to borrow from other uh, other corporations' color pie in order to be able to, um, I guess, really have any sort of like dominant strategy. <laughs> Wayland having a dominant strategy, <laughs> but I, I I just like the okay. fact they're, I, I like the fact they're doing okay for a mini faction. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I I just like I just like this card as an as an economic card. I feel like um, um, if you're gonna be playing, you know a. It surprises me actually that in a meta that's filled with Mumba Temples and Museum of Histories and in general just a ton of like neutral assets and advantageous assets like we talked about like Sensei's Actors Union, like uh, Daily Business Show, uh, Decks with Biotic Labor or um, even Seasource, things like that, other tag options. Um, Wayland's pulling in a lot of these neutral slash out of faction cards and this card really allows you because it's both play or uh, or res um, it's just gaining a credit on each of those individual uh, rewind. It basically just yeah. gains a credit every time you play one of those cards. The problem for me with it, Hollis, uh, is that it just seems like another card in Waylands that gains you a little bit of money, and you have to work a bit for it. I, I'm not, and I'm not sure that's where I really want my economy to be all the time. Although I can see how it can function similarly to like a total backs if you are going for that sort of engine. Uh, but I'm just not sure that there's many Wayland decks that want a total backs engine that aren't either just going to play total backs or play something like commercial bankers group if they're confident enough that they can spam out the remotes um, and keep them off the runner. I mean, I'm not, well, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not sure the Indian Union Stock Exchange is a high impact enough card that you're going to be wanting to put ice in front of it, really. And spend time protecting it in the game and that that's not just going to lose you the game as opposed to just playing transaction economy or playing asset economy that's more high impact and actually to piggyback off that i think that commercial bankers group is also very good sorry i just i realized i just completely skipped over that card it's um in the gagarin deck that uh i've messed with recently it is an incredibly oppressive economic card like in that in that trash. deck specifically yeah it's a must trash yeah. Mm. And I think all the political assets are like that. And for that reason, whilst I've given them a lot of rubbish over the episodes for um, particularly Bioethics Association and the deck that it spawned being quite um, unfun, I guess, to put it bluntly, and people can you know, debate that, and there's been lots of debates about that. The one thing that I will say about them is that they pushed asset power to a level that meant that they were must trash. Um, they were proactive. They did things that the corp really wants to be done every single turn without having to spend a click or credits once they're rezzed. Um, and they traded that for this drawback of not being able to be protected. And I think that in a vacuum is really interesting design and the way that they've, uh, the particular abilities that have been chosen on them are reasonably interesting and play well into the faction strengths. Uh, the, um, 
HB1 um, clone suffrage movement even is possibly even the most powerful one of the lot in a lot of ways. Um, but they're all very good. The, the problem obviously arose was that in concert with um, IG and in concert with Gagarin, the identities that got around that drawback in a sense, the high power level of these cards can be somewhat oppressive. And then combined with some of the other assets, which we obviously haven't discussed, i.e. Museum of History, Mumba Temple and Mumbad City Hall. Once you combined all of those things together, it created this critical mass of assets that pushed asset heavy decks to a place where they haven't been before of dominance. Um, and I know we called uh, sometime in the last cycle on the designers to uh, design some more powerful assets. And despite the fact these cards had already been designed, um, they'd obviously thought a similar thing at the time and thought about pushing the power level. And one thing that you can certainly say about this cycle is that there are more I think more assets than any other corp card type. It's clear that the designers were trying to uh, push assets a little bit. They succeeded in pushing the power level and they possibly went just a little bit too far in terms of that overall asset package that I just discussed. If we're moving on to ice, the, you said you had some uh, specific thoughts about the ice suite from this set in general. Uh, specifically, rather, Jesse... We were talking earlier. Oh, um, you yeah. Want to talk about oh, the, yeah. how the impact of the ice in this set had. Yeah, so I, I think it is almost the inverse story with assets there. I think ice, we've also called for the, the power of ice to be pushed a little bit just to make ice a little more relevant in the game. And one of the unfortunate things that happened in this cycle was that you had Faust David and the Wild Cakes engine, which was a really efficient runner engine that could deal with ice extraordinarily cheaply. Um, and that made playing ice a lot worse as a corp anyway and then you also had this asset heavy strategy getting better so ice was already not great it became worse other strategies became better so you were left with uh fast advance which is already better than playing ice most of the time um or decks that rely on remotes to score out is what i mean when i say ice um and then you also now have these asset heavy decks and that just relegated ice based remote controlled decks to a distant third place in in the meta which was unfortunate um, and the fact that there weren't a lot of good ice that came out in this cycle and not a lot of ice at all overall sort of fed into that problem. So hopefully we'll see that reverse in the next cycle. Um, but in terms of the ice that were here, vanilla is a, a good aggressive piece of ice for corpse. It fit into a lot of those aggressive strategies um, and it was a, a nice one to have. Magnet, uh, we discussed in the last pack review, so I won't go into that in too much depth, but I quite liked that. Um, and then other than Red that... Red tape was the other one you really liked. The second? Red tape was the other one you really liked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the two biroids I think, were quite good. And I think they'll both see a bit more play once uh, those mid-range to control HB decks start being good again. I think Vikram and Ravana are both quite strong cards. And Cobra. Huh? Special shout-out to Brainstorm. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any stories about Brainstorm, Wilfie? No, I just like the card. I think it's. I I think that. I mean, the, maybe the only reason why it's so memorable is because Faust David has kind of obsoleted, as you said, regular ice. Ice in terms of what ice regularly does, which is cost the runner some resources at differing levels based on their um, breaker composition. But the fact that brainstorm kind of gets around that entirely is kind of interesting but i do wish that in general since ice i think the interaction with ice is the most interesting part about netrunner that that was a little more relevant this cycle but i do want to say again that i think ravana and upa yoga are interesting because they 
sort of anything which really depends on the board state, anything where the effectiveness really depends on the board state, has the potential to be very bad, but also the potential to pr show to allow for very interesting deck building decisions and gameplay decisions, just because the order in which you res your ice matters a lot more, and also the sort of the composition of ice you put in your deck doesn't solely depend on a the different types and b the raw strength of your ice. I think that's a fairly interesting design space to tread. Next, we have the the corp IDs, uh, Pilana Foods and Harishandra Entertainment. I haven't had much of a chance to play with Harishandra Entertainment yet because it's only been out here for a short amount of time, but there was a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz around Polana when it first came out, and at least around here we've seen a bit of a drop-off. Hollis, how are, how are things your side? Which which of these two IDs did you think really hit home? Um, I think that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the same page as you. Harishandra hasn't been out long enough for, really, for, I think, people to really flesh out a lot of great deck lists or see really what a shell of Harishandra... See what a shell of Harishranda... Oh my fucking god, I can't say this name, guys. S someone say it real quick for me. Harishandra. One more time. Harishandra. 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 Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, um, <coughs> I don't think it's been long enough for people to really flesh out what Harishandra deck, looks, deck lists look like. Um, so, as far as Planet Foods, it's, we've also seen sort of a drop-off, but I've also seen recently a, a local... Um, a local player bring back Polina uh, foods with um, a bit more teeth um, for no other reason, but because, you know, with, with heavy amounts of Anarch being in the meta, um, having a lot of ice ass multi subs, even if it's only briefly like a Koma Inu and things like that um, seem to really stand out. And it really, Polina really gets you back into feeling like you're playing good old classic standard, you know, net runner where you, you build a server, um, a single remote, um, you put in an ice you put in ice, you put in the agenda and the defensive upgrade, and you go. Um, whereas, you know, with fast advance, it feels like it can be somewhat uninteractive to an extent. Uh, just depends on, you know, on, on that Astro Train, uh, you know, versus IG and Gagarin, where it feels like, you know, it's so oppressive, there's not really much the runner can do. Polena just feels good and wholesome, like good food should. Um, and that's, it fits, I think, perfectly well in... Uh, in the current meta, I think it's still really competitive as well. I didn't it, did it not win or come in second? I think at U.S. Nationals, um, yeah. So it's it's de it's still definitely good in the current meta. Strange times we live in, where people are saying that Caprice Nisei decks are good, wholesome fun. But anyway, <laughs> go on with it. no, I mean, like I, that's what I was gonna say. That like if Polana hasn't hit as much as it should, I think that's purely because of the rise and fall of Caprice, or the fall of Caprice more than anything to do with Polana. I think that Polana is at probably the good power level for an ID, and it basically inherits the torch of the RP control deck that we've seen be good for maybe two years now. And I think they're about similar in power level there. I think both of them have positives and negatives, and there's they would be good in different metagames, I think. the only I think the main reason that RP is less good now is because assets in general are less good. But I think that Polana, or maybe because assets really are better and Wizards better. Well, I mean, but the assets that RP plays aren't as good. Yes, as good. Like the lo long-term advantage assets aren't as good. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's more important resources in the short term are more, more important. But I think that regardless of that, um, Polana is at the ideal power level for an identity. I think it's really well designed. 
I think usually that operations are my favourite card type when playing Corp. But looking over the operations from this set, I can't. I'm like surprised to learn that there's none that I was really super excited about. None that I've played. I think the only one that I think is really cool is Heritage Committee, and I haven't had a chance to play with it yet. Um, possibly Lateral Growth as well. I'm just waiting for uh, HB to, and specifically Engineering the Future, to be um, a bit stronger in the meta again, hopefully soon-ish. Uh, Jesse, what are your thoughts on the operations from this cycle? Yeah, I think Exchange of Information is probably the most powerful in a vacuum. It punishes tags in a different way. It's really powerful. People are, particularly in contact with breaking news, starting to see that it can turn losing situations into winning situations and it can allow you to win really quickly, both of which are really great things for one single card to be able to do, particularly at the low cost of zero credits. Um, so that one is going to be in the metagame as long as uh, breaking news is in the metagame, I think, um, and it's going to be a tag punishment of choice for a lot of decks. Um, other than that, sort of Salem's Hospitality, Heritage Committee have seen a bit of play and Dedication Ceremony the UK guys, uh, Dave Hoyland and uh, Chris Hinks and some others have been playing an IG deck using de- Dedication Ceremony Ronin combos uh, and other things to kill people. So Dedication Ceremony definitely has a place. It's definitely a powerful click shortcut in that you're getting what you would normally only be able to do in three clicks in one click, even though it has a lot of um, limitations on that. Uh, there are going to be combos like Ronin where that's an extremely powerful thing to be able to do. So that's another one that's interesting to have in the card pool. Um, other than that, yeah, not a lot is exciting me there. I just, I just wanted to, to add in, there, uh, Alexander, uh, Alexander White, uh, Vinegary Mink, um, mentioned that there was, there was one particular card, one particular operation that he, w- he thought was very powerful that he has not seen He's he's surprised he hasn't seen many people play, and I totally agree. And it's called clones are not people. When I first saw that that uh, that current in my head, when I was looking at this, I said, "Oh, how interesting! We can take a um, a Nisei and you know with the timing score this card for uh, three points, or we can take a um, oh goodness, what is it? The the new protein source, the the four three, and with timing, you know, score this for an absurd four points." Um, and I, I just, I'm actually really surprised that, you know, not many people are playing it considering that currents are so uncommon. It's usually the corpse side that's going to play the current. The only runner current I've seen recently is employee strike. Um, it's surprising to me that, you know, not a lot of decks, especially hacktivists, you say hacktivist as well. It's, I, yeah, I, yeah, you, you do see hacktivists sometimes. I, I think I'm just surprised that, you know, in the same way how you, uh, if you're a runner, you know, you play the, you play the employee strike and then you immediately usually go trash the uh, available cards so that you can just take advantage of it now before it gets replaced. It surprises me that clones are not people knowing that fact and then knowing that runner occurrence are so uncommon. It surprises me that clones are not people wasn't played more often, just even for the one additional point. Um, you know, especially considering that um, five threes are in a really weird spot. Everyone runs a film critic now. So scoring the future perfect is still an, weird edgy thing to do it's almost to the point i feel like where you still want to play global food initiative over the the uh, future perfect in some cases just because film critic is so prevalent so i don't know i i I think i think that that's a current that really could be explored more that people could be playing more often especially in a jinteki deck right so 
I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I'm just crazy. I don't know. I think it's really good. I just don't think there's a good shell for it at the moment, just because it really does come with some fairly large requirements of how the tempo of the game is going to go. Like, you really need to be able to dictate when you score, which is basically the number one thing that the runner tries to prevent at most points during the game. Right. So, And three is quite a lot for a kind yeah, of... Yeah, I was going to say that too. Yeah. Um, moving on to upgrades, I must say this is a very dry sort of <laughs> pool. Here. I think the most interesting... Most interesting card is Mumbad Virtual Tour, and uh, even then, all of us uh, misread it the first time we talked about yep. it and realized it wasn't as good as we thought it was. So, no, uh, Navi Mumbai City City Sorry. Sorry. I actually think that, yeah, no, Mumbad uh, Virtual Tour is, I think, still, I think, a fairly powerful card under its new wording. <laughs> um. But, yeah, as I think Jesse wants to... I also think that... Yeah, what's the scroll up? A disposable HQ on me, Jesus. Um, <laughs> no, I was just going to say, yeah, Navi Mumbai City Grid, I think. I originally underestimated it. I have come to a different conclusion after playing a deck th- today against Jesse where I was felled very unfairly by a political operative. We'll talk about that later <laughs> in a different episode, maybe. Um, but, yeah, I think that there actually are quite a wide range of things that the Corp might want to do during a run that while they might not necessarily all get blanked by not being able to do them during a run like SMC or clone chip of course you can still do them outside the run it really constrains the corpse option uh, it really constrains the runner's options to have Navi Mumbai Seagrid in your scoring server I think that it is a little awkward um, given it's in the worst faction to do that but the fact that it turns off David as its primary thing and then also has this other incidental bonus, I think, is fairly unique and potentially powerful. It's certainly the slot that uh, playable cards have fit into, Political Operative, which you mentioned, being a great example. It's a Caprice Ash Killer that also deals with other things and for that reason is very playable. I think this as a David killer that also just deals with other things incidentally is kind of good. I think the uh, next card type is the first runner card type, so events, which uh, is another card type that I really, really like. Uh, there's probably a correlation there between operations and events. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's the storm the player most... in your run. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Might, yeah. might be what it is. They call... right. No more uh, gathering. <laughs> they they call me the weatherman, Wolfie. <laughs> no more gathering references this episode. We, I think we've reached our limit, and any more, and we're going to have to get charged by Reddit, so keep <laughs> it down. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Um, I think the standout card for me, and it's not going to be super surprising to a lot of people, is probably Rebirth. Um, uh, just in terms of, uh, we've spoken, everyone's spoken about Rebirth for a long, a lot, so we don't have to go in too deep there. That said, there are still some other interesting cards in in this pool, kind of like High Stakes Job and uh, August Librarian. Yeah, sorry, making an entrance. I'm getting in trouble now. <laughs> Fact or fiction? I don't know. <laughs> Fact or fiction? Yeah, there's a lot of good cards. Um, Hollis, have you had a chance to play with Political Graffiti yet? Um, well, I mean, I saw it at 3X, and it did a really great job of making sure I didn't win the game. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I I think the card to me that stands out as a as a personal favorite, and this is this is very recent, is uh, Freedom Through Equality. Note, note there's a theme here for me liking Currents. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, um, I've been piloting Beeblum's Kate deck for a little while. And while it's not fantastic, uh, it doesn't feel fantastic versus the quote-unquote most oppressive decks in Netrunner history, um, 
it has advantages from the card pool, you know, from from the the cards it includes. And Freedom to Equality has just really stood out in a lot of really interesting matchups. Most particularly, you know, the the NEH, NBN, Fast Events decks, where you bring the agendas net required to score from four to three. And granted, there is setup involved with using this card in the same way how there is with clones are not people. But on the runner side, it feels way more. It feels a lot easier to set that up. Because you're doing things like, you know, playing the indexing. Okay, well, you see the agenda's coming. Rearrange it. Play Freedom to Equality and make the run again. And um, I feel like this card individually, especially in those fast advanced matchups, if, I mean, it basically just wins the game for me most of the time. Uh, I owe the win to Freedom to Equality a lot of the time for that. Um, but beyond that, the, the, the only other card that to me really stands out uh, would actually be maybe um, Fear the Masses. And that's just because I know that the recent uh, the recent decks that have tried to you f- love the stack deck. attack yeah yeah the deck deck yeah the, the 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 net deck the deck 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 I don't know the the, the recent um, explosion of of this archetype where you you try to basically trash a ton of cards in a very short window um, it's interesting I don't th- I think that if you weren't really prepared for this if you didn't have the Chrysium and things even went just a little right it could eff- effectively be game ending at the right stage of the game right I mean like considerably game-ending in comparison to other options. So I, I really like Fear the Masses. I guess so, or maybe the keyhole hyperdriver thing. Yeah, I think definitely that Fear the Masses has some potential. It, I think it's an interesting design space where you kind of have to build your deck around it, but the payoffs are enormous. I think those kind of cards are, are interesting, even if they only really pay off rarely. And so I'm glad to see that people are exploring it, at least. There was one card I want to talk about, just... Um, on freedom, oh yeah, on freedom through equality, I think that we have already seen that notoriety is extremely powerful, even if it is very narrow. And freedom from equality, to me, kind of feels the same way. I like making an entrance as well as I think Brian said. The fact that it allows you to really plan out your turns in a way that no other card really does. Like you play it on your first click, and it suddenly there are so many options for how the game's going to progress, and while the power level, I think, is kind of at the right point where you only play it where you, if you really, really need that kind of effect, the ability to do that, I think, um, to set up this turn and your next turn, when single turns can easily be so important at dealing with the corpse scoring windows and opening up your, your own, um, can be really strong. And I think it's under the ability to use it not to set up just to set up your current turn but also your next turn just the options are really strong and the cost is fairly low all right uh, moving on to hardware oh tell you what this is a (laughs) real scraping it's really scraping here too like there's i think one card a lot of people are playing is sports hopper which is sweet it's obviously the uh rotational replacement for sand sand with a little bit of upside the sand sand <laughs> for, well, interesting yeah um yeah very well rotation uh for um for plascrete uh with a little bit of upside and that it's not as narrow as plascrete is and you get that cute little additional link which is cute um and for me i really like maya i've been playing maya quite a bit in uh the stealth kate list um, and I'm it, it's it's handy, but I'm probably going to slot it out for Mirror as soon as that card comes out. Um, Jesse, how's your Rumajan deck going? I have also noticed that people are playing this new Spike Hammer Haley 
explode all my nonsense onto the board with Replicator Bazaar get value deck, which is interesting. Spike Hammer is also being good in Geist. I think we when we discussed Spike Hammer earlier, we did discuss that Geist interaction, and we also discussed the fact that it stacks reasonably well with itself. Um, it's got a good ability that's reasonably unique and that has been on cards that are considerably lower power level and cost more in terms of like women in the red dress so um yeah i quite like spy camera and people are obviously putting it to good use and finding ways to leverage additional value out of it also note that a lot of the cards that we've discussed have cost zero and a lot of these particularly these small incremental value cards if you're going to find if they're going to continue to be designed and continue to if they're going to continue to make cards like that they've got to make sure that the cost is kept down because I think one thing that we've all realized and that we constantly talk about in our card review, in our uh, pack reviews, is that the cost of putting a card in your deck is a significant enough cost in itself because the opportunity cost is so high. Um, And yeah, a lot of these cards that cost zero credits and sort of combo with each other is evidence of that, that if you're going to play these sorts of cards, you can't be required to also sacrifice tempo in having to gain credits. But that's just a sort of side point to note i don't like any of them i don't think i've like i don't think i've actually played any of them and kept them in my deck for the past i mean since they've come out i don't think uh moving on to the runner ids uh one of which is uh if you if you were to play it you would be probably um broken to as an innovative innovative deck builder and if you were to play the other one you'd be branded a yellow belly coward (laughs) so uh hollis which are you um I'm a yellow bellied coward. I don't know. Uh, you like Nero then? Uh, <laughs> I don't. I'm not a fan uh, of any of them, actually. You know what? I'm going to. That's a lie. That's not true. I, I am a huge fan of Jesminder, right? Obviously, like a lot of other people. And that's because um, she is what I like with. It's She's the design approach I think I prefer with runners. It's not a. You're universally good, like a Kate ability. It is you have a niche that you fill, and you're very good at that. So the cards that exist in the game, you're really good against those. You know the that that support your ability. Um, and I would love to. So see, you like the top-down deck design? I kind of do. I mean, I I would I would like to see more. For example, if they released a whole uh, a whole range of shaper cards. It said, you know, um, during the you know make a run, take a tag, do this amazing thing. She all of a sudden becomes extremely powerful because whereas the card that would somehow balance that would be average, for her it's obviously above average, um, like account siphons, like vamps, things like that. And um, I like that sort of design as opposed to a universally good effect because it makes deck building and uh, deck building interesting on both sides, corp and runner. Whereas um, you know abilities like Kate, well yeah, of course it's good. It's always it's never not going to be good. Nero, I'm gonna throw a spanner in your works. Oh, I can't wait. Let's go. Say that I actually have a sort of different view on that. In that, I don't like it when your choice of ID dictates how good your game is going to be in different matchups too much. So, for example, Argus versus Jasminda, basically you're just blank the Argus ID if you're playing Jasminda, and it's very very difficult for them to win the game. Um, So, I that aside. Yes, um, having more interesting design on on ID abilities is good, but particularly on runners, um, 
I think I prefer things that are more generic uh, rather than things where if you are in a particular matchup, your ability is going to be so relevant that you're basically guaranteed to win the game and in other matchups it's going to do nothing, which is sort of where I feel just mid is at right now, partly because the second part of what you said, which is that having cards in your deck that you can make the most use of, there aren't really enough of those cards in Shaper at the moment. So if you are going to be using it, it's to get around things like Data Raven, to get around things like Argus, and at that point it feels like you're just sort of taking a punt by playing it. Why are you still playing Argus? I'm kidding. This is, Dude, Argus is so gas. Right now. I'm How mad is murdering people? It's so good. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Wolfie, what were you going to say? No, it's chill. chill. Uh, I think that the FFG is right to be fairly... Um, conservative with ID design in this respect, in the particularly in the respect of making IDs that are very good in particular situations or with particular cards, because when you're designing an ID, you have to know that it's an ID is going to show up in 100% of the games in which it's in either of the two players' decks. So its impact on the game is going to be larger than basically any other card, regardless of what its effect is, if the effect is going to be relevant to the game at all and so the fact that you can yeah as jesse said you can sit down and you know that your game plan is going to be neutered or blanked or not necessarily blanked but at least neutered significantly simply by your opponent's choices and there's nothing you can do about it because your opponent's guaranteed to draw their identity and it's guaranteed to be relevant i think is something that it's wise to try and avoid so i would say not necessarily the most generic identities because i think it is I do agree that it is a little boring when you can just switch two identities out of... You can play the same 49 cards with one identity replaced with another, but I think somewhere in the middle is kind of the sweet spot for identity design. Gabe is probably a good example. Moving on to programs, it's... Oh, jeez, the runners really had a rough time this cycle, didn't they? <laughs> uh, like, Mongoose is pretty cool, and the art on Pench Tantra is off its skull, but... Uh, Jess, you you liked Ankusa. Have you had a chance to give it a whirl yet since you gave it a fairly glowing review? Uh, No, I haven't. Um, I haven't actually played a single game with it. And I think with the Stealth Breaker coming out of the next pack, I may well never play a game with Ankusa. But look, I'll give it a go just because I did give it a glowing review and I'll I'll get back to you on that one. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't realize there were so few programs in this cycle. Is that normal? No, they really went full flog on this Daver thing, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've said enough about the Davis, haven't we? Yeah. Brian, um, your least favorite uh, runner icebreaker program is in this pack, um, especially because I know you love snakes. Ah, oh, yeah. No, I know. <laughs> Let's not talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to get eaten. Um, um, spe- um, yeah? Yeah, I was just going to say one of the... We're on to resources, and oh, you, you do the intro first, and then I'll say my thing. Yeah. Moving on to resources, Jesse? Yeah, one of the interesting things about this cycle is that we had a really skewed number of assets on the corp side, and we have an equally skewed, well, not quite equally, but similarly skewed number of resources on the runner side in that it's the most prevalent card type, I think. I haven't actually counted them, but I think that's true. Um, and one of the things that's interesting about that is that we've now got All Seeing Eye and Breaking News is very good anyway which means that if you're playing decks that have too many resources in them, you're very vulnerable. Now, that's good from a game balance perspective in the sense that they can push the power on resources a bit and they can push the interactivity between different resources a bit 
and have an inbuilt check in the game, which is that resources are the most vulnerable card type for runners to play. So that's fine. Um, but I would like to see uh, a little bit more probably in the hardware column in the next um, cycle, keeping in mind that it can't be pushed too hard in terms of power level because hardware is too hard to inter- too difficult for corpse to interact with at the moment. But yeah, that's just sort of a, an interesting overview point to keep in mind when we're discussing these resources. But having that in mind, I think the power level of these resources is quite high and there are a lot of quite good cards on here that have seen quite a bit of play. Does anyone else want to have a go first or should I? Yeah, like political operatives obviously pretty sweet and I've enjoyed Artist Colony a lot for that brief period, at least in our meta when a lot of people were playing news teams and you just got all these free tutors out of nowhere which was really great. Um, And then there's some other really interesting cards like Councilman as well which has seen uh, a fair bit of play. Turning Wheel. Uh, Hollis. Turning oh, wheel. yeah. Uh, turning wheel, yeah, yeah. I'm still not 100% sold on turning wheel, but a lot of people I, really like it. I am definitely 100% sold on turning wheel now. Because um, it's, I mentioned before I was piloting B-Boom's Kate deck, and um, it's very interesting. I, I just, I love the, the way I look at it sort of is that when I play, um, you know, in a lot of decks, you know, you'll, I'll play my RDIs or my Maker's Eye, HQI, Legworks, and those cards, I don't think it necessarily will always replace a slot. The ex- the exempt, I mean, the the edge case where you do replace it is where maybe you have a one X of legwork. You might consider just placing in the turning wheel instead to get an influence back, and having a legwork that over time can be used, maybe even multiple times during the game. But it, it basically, it, to me, it basically just equates to additional accesses on failed attempts to hit agendas on R and D or HQ, and even if it's you know, every two accesses leads to only one single counter. The fact remains is it's surprisingly not difficult to be able to get six counters on this, which turns into three additional cards. So in the same game where you're playing RDI, in the same game where you're playing legwork, when you're looking at, you know, two or three cards, you can just simply say, you know what, maybe I want to look at the four and the fifth card in your hand. And just to be certain, I don't have that weird variance where you've got the one agenda I need for the game or you need for the game, and I don't have the ability to grab it. Um, and the fact that the card can come into play, and barring, of course, getting trashed, it stays in the game um, as a means to allow me to get additional accesses. I just I just like it that much more. So um, I do I really like that card. The other one I think that is, again, I thought I would see more, uh, played more often, um, is uh, it's uh, Salset Slums. It's definitely a hate card versus these oppressive decks, obviously. But I think that the economy engine required to trash their cards um, would need you would need to have something like Wizard, or just in general, just a great runner, you know, uh, economy engine in order for Salset to really um, be hugely advantageous. The negative, of course, being and coming back to our sorry, coming back to our earlier the earlier point I was making about cost. Yeah. Salset Slums costing two is very high. It is like that is extremely relevant because the cost of putting this in your deck is already significant enough mm-hmm. out of faction paying influence for it is very significant and then paying two credits for a resource you know you're not getting a discounted kate for example but in any deck having two credits early in the game and then having the credits to be able to trash their assets and upgrades yeah. is too much for most decks to handle it definitely feels like a card where if if i could you know if I, in the beginning of the, you know at the beginning of this cycle if i could see forward and i said to myself oh i see where the meta is going to go where it's heavily dominated by ig or heavily dominated by garen type decks where it's a lot of mumba temples a lot of museums um 
and a lot of easy, you know, free economy, free benefits. Um, Sausage Slums to me definitely seems like the kind of card that you, you know, the, the hate card that you would put in that category of, you know, the one cost, one influence card. So everybody can import this and make sure that it's playable and help that match up. Right. Um, I get they have to balance the power level here so that the ability to trash cards and remove them from the game isn't, you know, isn't definitely an OP thing. But it feels like, I, and again, this is all emotional now. I never, I never like talking in terms of like how I feel emotionally, but it just, it really feels like the mark was missed there for that card, right? I love it, and it should have been maybe like a one influence, one cost, where everyone gets to import this, so it helps try to balance that matchup. But you know, who am I? I'm just a random guy. All I want in the world is for someone to play Akshara Serene against me. <laughs> Because <laughs> that will be so excellent whenever that happens. It uh, hasn't happened yet, but hopefully one day it will. Black File, Liberated Cella, um, Patron to an extent, Temple Liberated Mind, all interesting cards. Guru Davinder even. Um, so yeah, quite a lot of variety bug out as well in these resources. And I think we'll see a few of them, the Black File possibly chief amongst those seeing a bit more play over the next little while as people get used to them a little more and test them out. Um, but all in all, I think the resources were probably the strongest card type in this cycle for runners. Yeah. Cool. So uh, that was the Mumbad cycle. Uh, yeah. So uh, one thing I wanted to say is uh, we had a, an email during the week from Graham Carlson in Michigan uh, who sent us in some questions, four questions, which we've used to frame our discussion quite a bit tonight. So thank you for sending those through, Graham. That certainly helped me to get. Uh, my mind ticking over about this cycle and if you um, read over your questions and then listen back to our discussion I'm sure you'll see that we picked up each of them at various different times throughout our discussion so thanks very much for taking the time to send those in thanks Graham yeah big shout out getting emails is excellent yeah thanks for sending it in it was really interesting to not only hear your thoughts about the cycle but also hear what you thought might be interesting for us to talk about It, it was really fantastic and Graham put a lot of effort into um, writing up that email and giving us his thoughts so really appreciated it um, and if any of you on an ongoing basis have any thoughts about the way we do our pack reviews the way we discuss cards any topics you'd really like to see us discuss please let us know you know we've gone over a lot in our 91 episodes we've talked different agendas we've talked consoles we've done all sorts of um, discussions that we haven't really gone back to some of them for over a year so if there's even you know any of those topics that you'd like us to refresh and update um and do a another episode on please let us know as well and if you want to try and let us know any of those things you can do so by sending us an email to the winning agenda at gmail.com you can hit us up on twitter at winning agenda and go like and write on our facebook wall the winning agenda uh, until next week guys we look forward to speaking to you very soon bye-bye thanks for listening Thanks, everyone. See you guys.